Welcome to episode three of Let's Talk About the C Word, a podcast where my guests and I will be tearing down the stigma around cancer one episode at a time. Today I am joined again by my mother, as my very special guest, Libby Cornish, to talk about the intersection of cancer and mental health. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to hit you with a really tricky question. Do you feel like at the very beginning after you got diagnosed, you went into fight or flight mode? When I was diagnosed, I thought, why me? What have I done? What's caused this? I was sad. I was a little confused. But I then realised after a couple of days of a lot of thought that I really needed to fight this head on. I had to do the best for myself and that would do the best for people around me that I love as well. And then I guess on top of all that, you've kind of got the the worst part, which is the fear of the unknown. Like you're given a diagnosis, but then after that, you aren't really sure what's going to come next and you've got to wait for all this testing to happen. How does it feel to always know that the diagnosis is never going to be linear, that it's always going to be changing, that everything is going to be kind of up in the air. That's a pretty tough one, a tough thing to live with, I guess. Always, every twinge, every every change in your body, you sort of worry that it could be another diagnosis or another cancer or something gone wrong. So you're constantly living with a fear that that could happen. But again, it's trying to get above that to, for your own sanity to to deal with it. And what about, I guess, in your case, that actually has happened a fair few times. Like you've had it metastasize, your cancer's moved, you've put on different treatments and you're always, you never know what's next. So how do you go managing your mental health with that? My last scan has been pretty daunting and all the doctors have been on a different page, which is very new to me. It can be really confronting not knowing what to expect. Handling the mental health is something that's very important. So I love getting out for my walks, getting to calming places, whether it's a beach or a bit of bushland or somewhere where you feel you can really relax and take in nature. And I have a gorgeous dog that I love taking for walks. Do you actually go and speak to somebody? I do. I have a wonderful psychologist who has talked to me since my husband died on and off. Um, she gives me the great advice um, have someone neutral to offload everything to and we laugh, we cry together. Sometimes I feel a little like I could be naive or in denial when I am living so positively but... I think that's a great thing for me and it it certainly helps me and, as I said, those around me. On the topic of seeing someone and getting therapy, in this day and age it really shouldn't be something that you feel embarrassed by, but if you are someone who's super shy or, you know, you just don't have the ability to go and see someone in person, there's always the opportunity to use apps like BetterHelp. Apps like these and websites allow you to connect with a therapist online via text or from phone calls, and that way you actually can just speak to someone completely neutral, removed from your situation, at a time that suits you. 
And don't forget, you can always change if you don't like how the other person is receiving or understanding what you're saying in therapy, you can always change your psychologist or counselor as well to better suit you. I feel like another topic that a lot of people struggle with is cancer as their identity. I think a lot of people feel like they lose themselves when they get diagnosed with cancer and how they look physically, whether it be from, you know, side effects of losing hair and losing eyebrows or weight or gaining weight or, you know, just not looking how they used to kind of really puts pressure on them to feel like their old selves and kind of melds how they cope with cancer as a process. How did you cope with that? And what would be some tips you would give to people who are going through it for the first time? Blood tests, scans, other tests, doctor's appointments, treatment, surgeries, all take a huge amount of time. And I think this does become part of your existence, a big part of your life, obviously. So it's hard to identify separately from that. But if you've got a great bunch of friends that treat you equally and allow you to enjoy life with them when you can, when you're feeling up to it, I think that's the way to deal with this, to be the person you are, to laugh, to cry with friends, to allow yourself to be you and not be identified as someone sick with cancer. When I first went through chemo, I'd come home with my uh, infusion in the bum bag through the chest port, and I was so glad it was winter because I could wear a scarf and hide it. But now I'm doing the same thing and I'm going through the same um, chemotherapy-type situation with the bum bag and the infusion, and I really don't care. And to be honest, I almost feel proud that I'm wearing this, and it's not my badge of honour, but but it is a badge of my resilience. I just want to add as well, I think if you are someone who's struggling with how you look because of your cancer treatment, if you've lost your hair, if you've lost your eyebrows or your eyelashes, it's okay to own it, but it's also okay if you want to wear a wig or you want to do your eyelashes or eyebrows, and that's totally normal. Whatever makes you feel comfortable on your own skin. If you want to wear a wig or learn how to style it, or if you want to, you know, learn how to do your eyebrows or draw them on, I'll be linking some tutorials from YouTube down below and you can find them in the episode show notes. So someone has reached out asking if we can talk about being in constant survival mode and the after effects of that and how it's so hard to kind of process everything going on after you've gone through cancer treatment, stayed super positive, and it hits you like a brick wall at the very end. I think I see a lot of this on social media with young people talking about cancer and how they seem to be really strong the entire time and then right afterwards is when it all suddenly hits. So what's that been like in your experience? An analogy to that would be when you work on a project that's really large and you focus 100% for a period of time and get to the end of it and you either get a headache or a migraine or a cold just because you've thrown so much energy into it. You come around at the end and it hits you. So I guess with treatment for cancer, and often people are thrown in without much warning when they've been diagnosed with something that needs to be treated immediately, you get to the end of your treatment and you've been so busy with treatments, doctors, as I said before, and suddenly there's not as much going on and it's time for you to think and I think that's where you can come crashing down really need to be aware of that and that needs to be spoken about. And there's also the element of survivor's guilt. I know a lot of people talk about going through feeling like they're, you know, 
the guilty party for surviving being there in hospital seeing people that are unwell next to you and they unfortunately don't make it if you're the one that does I know people tend to struggle with that long term and that's something I definitely recommend you know if you are struggling with that sort of thing or if you are struggling with depression or anxiety post-treatment or post-recovery it's a great idea to talk to someone even if it's not a therapist maybe get just so they can encourage you to get out of that mindset. Another thing worth talking about is travel and the restrictions that are put on you when you have cancer or I guess any pre-existing condition. If you're having regular treatment, chances are you won't be able to travel. If you're able, sometimes you have to get creative to remedy that. My travels now involve small day trips or overnight trips just into places that I haven't been before that are near to home, not too far away, and I get the best out of them. I make them really good, even though I can't go overseas. So obviously, if you're bedridden or you're really unwell, there isn't too much you can do. But if you are able to go out and do things, how do you cope with FOMO? In my case, I am better on the second week after my chemo. And I tend to have a window of probably five days where I feel pretty much almost normal. And we've done a few road trips. We've visited a zoo and some art galleries. And some wineries. And some wineries. A lot of wineries. A lot of wineries. And I think on the topic of wine, our favourite topic, a lot of people kind of are under the assumption that when you're a cancer patient, it either goes one way or the other. You're either going to restrict yourself from bad food Or you're just like, may as well eat everything if I'm going to be unwell. And I think a lot of people are under the assumption that, you know, you've got to eat only like vegetables or you just got to stay super duper healthy. But I think that's not the case for everyone. So what is your approach to eating and your diet during this time? My approach is to try and be healthy, as healthy as I can. I have issues with too much fibre, which limits my amount of vegetables I can eat which really upsets me because I love my veggies but I will also feel like I need to be in the in the human race and therefore I will have a glass of wine occasionally or a piece of chocolate or whatever gin and tonic gin and tonic occasionally if it if it works well (laughs) I mean they I mean I know your doctor has said to stay away from processed foods But you can still be a little bit cheeky. You don't have to necessarily rely on your veggies for everything. Because as mum said, it's really that one's knocked up a six. And depending on how Al is taking food, like a lot of people do get stomach problems that come alongside chemo radiation. So you've just got to be really cautious of that, especially if you're somebody who, you know, doctor obviously... And I'm not going to give anyone any recommendations. And if you do want recommendations, go and see one. But, you know, all these people that preach that you should just be eating fruit and vegetables, you've got to be super careful because some people actually, like mum, can't do that. And I guess there's also the organic route. Um, If it stresses you too much, if you can't find organic products or you can't afford it, um, it's going to cause stress, which is not good for cancer. But everyone's situation, everyone's cancer is different. So... When I talk about the veggies, that's to do with my cancer. Yeah, so just do what you've been recommended by your specific dietitian or doctor. And how has cancer affected your overall outlook on life and your future goals? 
I guess having things to look forward to is really important. So I have your wedding, which is so exciting, and I'm going to be there dancing on the tables or at least on the dance floor. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, And then from that, I'm going to make a goal for next year that might just be simple. It might be getting fitter. Uh, It might be swimming in the ocean, which is something I used to love and I haven't done for years. It could be going somewhere in Australia that I haven't been, which getting joy from that but future goals I think goal setting is the the key and how do you handle the emotional impact of potential side effects or complications from your cancer treatment my side effects are varied fairly manageable but things like nosebleeds it affects I mean, other things that affect how social I can be so it I do get out and I do have coffees with friends and things but sometimes just going for a a long-winded dinner or something I'm just too fatigued or too uncomfortable in whatever way but as I said pretty much manageable but everyone's different again I have a really supportive friend group so if I'm out for dinner or something and I have to leave early they understand I've explained it to them and they're quite okay with that which is good it's very good to tell your friends what your side effects might be when you're out with them and that way they can help you and support you if anything should occur And they won't freak out if a piece of hair comes out or you have a nosebleed or any other side effect. And if they do react a bit poorly or they are acting a little bit strange, then sack them as a friend because that's not on. So I think one of your biggest mental health challenges probably could be the oncologist that we saw sort of recently. He was definitely someone who gave a new negative perspective on your prognosis. And I don't think either of us were necessarily expecting that it was going to be so negative. And I was wondering how you coped with that because up until now, really, always the doctors and surgeons and anyone that you ever got a second opinion from, everyone was in line with each other. And now all of a sudden, you know, you've got this really random, super negative person who's given you something entirely different to what you were expecting. How did you cope with that? And what did you do to sort of keep yourself in a good mindset? Yes, that oncologist really had me quite scared and feeling probably more negative than I'd felt through my whole journey. He didn't give me great news, so the way I felt, it was hard to deal with it emotionally. I did talk, and luckily I had Bryony with me at the appointment so we could share what had been said. But the way I dealt with it was to get a second opinion. So the waiting until I got my second opinion was hell. And I got the second opinion from my oncologist that I've been seeing for some time and I have great faith in. So he gave me a more fair... More realistic. More realistic, yeah, um, sort of outlook. Rather than sort of saying the worst-case scenario and the best, he gave me a little bit of hope. So... We still live off that and I certainly go with that and I think I'm kicking on longer than what the other doctor assumed I would. I think that second opinion was really important. I think without it, it would have been a lot of, again, the fear of the unknown and having that backup and even if it wasn't necessarily super positive but they laid out everything that we needed to know realistically it just it puts you a little bit more at ease. So if you're ever someone who's questioning your oncologist or everything's a bit up in the air and your whole entire team is disagreeing with you, then just go and get another opinion. There is never a limit to the amount of opinions you can get. 
but also just be prepared they might say the same thing as well. I think during that time it was really important that you also had your own space to kind of deal with it and I think quite often you're so surrounded by friends or by me or other family members that you kind of really cherish your time alone. Do you think that that has benefited you to have that bit of a gap between your social life and having everyone around you and being able to just process things alone? Definitely. I think just having time to ponder, to accept what's going on, being living a positive life all the time and being up with friends and doing things all the time is fantastic but sometimes it's exhausting or it it does take its toll because fatigue is one of my side effects but also it's an opportunity for a good cry yeah yeah I you told Bronnie the story a few weeks ago one of my side effects is watery eyes and she didn't quite get this but I woke up in the morning with my eyes streaming and I thought oh I could have a good cry but do you think I could feel the emotions to actually cry so that was quite weird but um and Bryony's comment was why would you want to cry and I really found it hard to explain what I meant but I think it was because I haven't cried a great deal as you can probably tell I am a talker but it is great to have a day even if it's once a month where I have nothing to do with having to talk to anyone about my cancer or any pharmacy or doctors or blood tests or anything to do with my health and just to enjoy a peaceful day even if it is thinking about my situation but processing it and I think that is so important for mental health. It's also really important that you don't let anyone tell you how you should be feeling. I think a lot of the time friends and family think that they're trying to say the right thing or get you to feel the right way Um, because it's more so a reflection of how they're trying to feel. And they may actually need a talking to to understand why you are feeling that way. But you need to feel shit if you're having a bad day. And if you feel good, feel good. But, you know, don't let anyone force you to feel something if you are okay with just sitting in your own emotional space. Just jumping in there, quite a difficult thing to grapple with is trying to come to terms with why you would die why you have this cancer in my case I really wanted an answer because I wanted to have some control with my type of cancer there's basically no rhyme or reason uh, it could be genetic it could be stress it could be other things but each doctor has basically come down to bad luck or stress so it's really a hard one so I think again I just had to move on from that and not let it drag me down. I think it's really important that people don't get into a cycle of self-blame because chances are you're completely wrong about the reason that you got cancer. I think it's all well and good to want some type of control because it is an unfortunate situation where you you essentially are powerless to have any say in what goes on. So I think a lot of people look to maybe that they are the reason instead of looking as to how to treat it or how to go forth after you've actually been diagnosed. So I think it's really important not to get caught up and keep yourself in a really good mindset. I would also like to point out that it's really important if you're a cancer caregiver as well or a loved one that's helping your family member with cancer, that you also keep your mental health in check. A caregiver especially is someone who really wishes that they had some sort of control over the cancer patient's 
prognosis and how their treatment goes and everything. But unfortunately, there's just not a lot that you can do, especially I feel in my position, I'm just kind of stuck just being able to help with the little things and that can take a massive toll. So if you want to have that little piece of control to help them, then you really need to go and help yourself first. So it's really important that you go and see a psychologist or a counselor and get that help as well so that you can keep going and you don't burn out. Especially when you're, you know, young or a young caregiver and you've got other things on your plate or even if you're older and you've got work or something else so that you don't burn out in every other aspect of your life. It's really worth talking about it if you get anxiety or you've got depression or you are just feeling a little bit lost or helpless. I think it's also common as a caregiver to feel a little bit guilty or feel a little bit selfish for showing emotions in front of cancer patients and for, you know, feeling like you also need a bit of help sometimes. But that's totally normal and I think the person who is receiving your care is also kind of expecting that to be the case. So don't ever feel bad about needing to reach out to somebody. So I think the key elements to take away from this episode are that regardless of if you are a caregiver or a cancer patient, you really need to have a support person there so that you can speak to them about how you're feeling. And it is normal to be feeling signs of anxiety or depression. And it's okay to be super open with people that you trust. And don't feel guilty about it either or embarrassed. Also, if you are someone that really wants to try on a wig or you're not sure how to go about it, or if you want to style a wig differently or you want to learn how to draw on your eyebrows, I will be putting some links in the episode show notes. So if you want to pop through and have a look at those, they can be really helpful. Oftentimes it's other cancer patients who make these tutorials and they've got it down to a fine art. I'd like to give a huge thank you to my mum Libby for jumping on the show with me again for part two and really opening up and talking about her mental health experience. Hopefully we can do another episode in the future. And is there anything you'd like to add? I'd just like to hope that this podcast has helped someone out there. Navigating cancer is really difficult, so if you need help, reach out. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode of Let's Talk About the C Word, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you are interested in seeing more content, it will be uploaded to TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, if you have any topics that you would like to be covered or any questions, please send us a message on Instagram or TikTok. I'm your host, Bryony Cornish, and thank you for listening to this episode. See you next week.